on of God and being able to bring those lessons to you. Um, but tonight we're going to carry that on just for a few moments that we have together. And as read just a moment ago out of Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah paints a picture here of the glory and the holiness of God. The vision that he's seen. We just studied this not too many weeks ago in our Sunday morning Bible study. And I thought it was fitting to add it into this study on Sunday night and use it as a reference point in our study of God and the character of God. Um, and we, we hope that this is, is going to be or is, continues to be um, beneficial to each of us to be able to study and know more uh, about God. As I've stated throughout the lessons that we've had in this study, this study is for us to gain a greater appreciation of who God is. And not only who He is, but what He has done for us so that we will give Him the reverence that He deserves and better understand what He expects of us. Our Creator and the one true God, eternal God, even though God consists of three distinct persons, of course, we've noted those, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we want to know more about God. This person in whom, or this being, this supreme being, that we will live eternally with. You think about that. Stated this morning, if we don't love God... We don't deserve to be with him eternally. Because God wants those who love him. And that's why the reward or the benefit of going to heaven is available to each and every mind and each and every person. So I want us to examine some attributes and their impact on our lives. And as we examine these attributes, I want us that we as his followers, that we need to strive to develop this. The following of his perfect example, such as God's goodness, his love, his patience, his long-suffering, those things that make up God, his attributes that should cause us to respect and reverend or rever, revere, rather, him as, as his, uh, the being that he deserves to be. But we also want to understand through this study the severity of God. His righteousness, his exactness. We're studying in Sunday morning, you know, about the justice that he's bringing on mankind, his people. And how that his justice is perfect. His justice is exact. But we want to understand that. And we want to understand that those attributes that are exclusive to his deity. 
Now concerning some of these attributes, there are so many, so many passages and things that we could look at that describe God, it would almost be impossible to quote every one concerning a single point in this lesson and, and probably in many lessons. But one of the great benefits that we have of studying the Old Testament in, in times that we have, including the prophets, is the numerous statements that describe God's character. And again, it would be a profitable study for any person to learn about God. And as you learn about God, and as we study more tonight, we will be more impressed of Him. And that's the goal of this study is to whet our appetites to learn more about God. Number one, He's holy. We know that. We've been taught that. We've heard it. We've sang it. He is holy. But what does it mean to be holy? One defines holy as revered, worthy of veneration, and of course, you go back to the Greek uh, term of hagos as an object of awe. Maybe the word awesome would come, be the root, or that be the part of the root, the part of that word awesome, if you will. But it's associated with purity and cleanliness. It's an interesting word because it's spoken often in reference to God. That object of all. And at other times in the word of God, it's reference to us in a relationship to him as we see him. Now, you really have to dig deep and really understand what holy means to understand it concerning God. In our lives, we think about something, sometimes we often hear people say, well, you think you're holier than everybody else or holier than thou. We hear that, don't we? In a negative sense, if you will. So that kind of gives you an idea, doesn't it, that someone who is above everyone else, but now we as individuals, we don't deserve that title, do we? No. Only one. And the true and living God deserves that. So in reference to God, the word holy, the term describes that vulnerable, uh, venerable nature. That is, that God is by his very nature is above all things in purity. <clears throat> now understand that. He has incomparable majesty. Now notice what I said. He's above all things in purity. When you think about something being pure, you think about it being clean and, and not having any defects whatsoever. Now, I don't know about you other guys. When I bought my wife's engagement ring, I acted like I knew what I was doing when they put that little thing down there. I said, look down there and see how pure it is. I was going right along with it. Yeah, it looks real good to me. Oh, that's pure. It ought to be in for the amount of money. But you know, 
Even diamonds at the highest amount of value has impurity. My wife's diamond that she has on her hand from our engagement, when you look down on it, on the bottom left side is an impurity in that diamond. It's a dark spot. It's not totally pure, is it? But tonight what we're talking about is God is above all purity. Can't get any more pure than what God is and the holiness. And that type of, of person, if you will, deserves to be praised, deserves to be reverend. Holiness describes his divine perfection. Therefore, our God is to be treated with the highest of reverence. Now you think about that. Divine perfection, purity above all other pure things, and therefore he is deserved to be treated with highest of reverence. There is no sense in which God should be treated common or average. He is above all things and the ultimate of all that is good. Now turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus in chapter 15 and verse 11. We're going to go back in the history of God's people. <coughs> Exodus chapter 15. And verse 11. Now we see here, after safely crossing the Red Sea, the song of Moses that we read here in Exodus 15 and verse 11 says to this, to us, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Notice it's a little G there, isn't it? Who is like thee, a glorious, a glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders, you can go on and read, Thou stretchest out thy right hand, the earth swallowed them. In thy mercy thou hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. <clears throat> and you can go on and on in the greatness of God in this particular time in history. But you go back to that thought, there is no sense in which God should be treated common or average. Let me ask you this. Do we, <clears throat> not necessarily in, intentionally, or any derogatory way in your life and mine today in 2022, 
Do we often sometimes treat God as common or just average? Now we say to ourselves, God is the only true and living God. But think about it. In our actions, do we treat God in a common way? In our words, in our dress, think about that. Do we unintentionally, I don't think we would, we would do it intentionally just to uh, be saying, well, I'm going to disrespect or not reverend God. But just falling in with the crowd, if you will, as people talk and act and doing things that, are we saying and doing things that, put it, that are putting God to a common level and average? I'm going to tell you something that makes me cringe, and you probably know where I'm fixing to go. O-M-G. Oh, my God. Oh, I hear it in our young people when I'm driving a bus or at school or whatever. Would you agree that that just puts God on a common level? I think it does, according to what we're studying tonight. We're referring to him in a, slang, in a slang way and not a reverence way. And I think that's something that we need to guard against. The God who is glorious in his holiness, who deserves, who are fearful in his praises, as Isaiah, uh, holy, 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 he says. One who deserves our very best and our highest of reverence and regards. Isaiah 6, as we read just a moment ago, records the call of Isaiah. Notice with me there again. The seraphim above cried one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You see, Isaiah knows what he has seen and fearfully says. Notice what he says. Oh, now, woe is me, for I am undone. <clears throat> because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Verses 6 and 7 Record one of the seraphim purifying him of sin. And he is then sent to <coughs> prophesy to a rebellious Israel. At the very end, notice it says, who will I send? And Isaiah says, send me, Lord, send me, here am I. In that vision, he was in the presence, if you will, of God. I think there are several things that I want us to consider concerning that passage tonight, that text about the holiness of God. And we studied it on Sunday morning. 
But I think that it deserves in this context and in this study, it deserves to be inserted here to help us better understand that. Firstly, I want you to look at the holy, holy, holy in that passage. In the Hebrew language and Greek, and I found this interesting in my study, that when something was mentioned twice, it gave special emphasis. No, it's just like us today. If we want to emphasize something with someone and help them remember it, our children or whatever, we will may sometimes repeat it, don't we? But mentioning it three times, holy, 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 expresses an extraordinary superlative, if you will, of an unheard of majesty. Now, that comes from one commentator that made those statements. God the Redeemer. That same phrase that we're talking about in this passage is found again in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation in chapter eight, or chapter 4, rather, in verses 8 through 11, where John sees the throne of God in heaven, if you remember. Holy, holy, holy. The holy of places. And actually, when you end you study this text in Isaiah in depth, you find and know that how Isaiah feared that he would die because he had seen God. And throughout the Old Testament, we read examples of those who feared death. And they feared death because they thought they had seen God. <clears throat> in the book of Exodus, in chapter 33, in verses 19 through 23, Moses here fears he's going to die. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And he goes on, and the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it came to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. You see, Moses was afraid that he was going to be in the presence of God. He was afraid he was going to die. You go again in the book of Genesis in 32, chapter 32. And you see the example of, of Jacob. In chapter 32, in verse 30, I believe it is. 
where he says, Therefore the children of Israel eat, Israel eat not of the sinew which, which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh to this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. You see, there was a great, great concern there. And you go back up in verse 30, And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. You see, he had that great fear, didn't he? We could go on with other different uh, examples. And this was because of who he is, who God is, who is his holiness. It is a matter of reverence. Notice in our passage in Isaiah 6 that the angel purified Isaiah by touching his tongue with a coal from the altar. Remember that in our Sunday morning study? Consider the holiness of God in contrast with sin. In him, God, there is no sin whatsoever. No sin. You see, that's hard for us to understand. That for someone to have no sin, to be that holy, to be that righteous, you go to 1 John, or rather John chapter 1 and verse 5. There is no sin. I'm, I'm sorry, back in 1 John. Chapter 1, verse 5. And notice what it says. Then this in the message which I have heard of him and declaring to you that God is light and in him is what? No darkness at all. No sin. God is holy. And as he is holy, he is to be reverenced. Why is it that sin is so detestable to, to God? Think about that. Why is sin so detestable to God? I can tell you, I can give you one thought. It's because of his holy nature. And the fact that all sin is what? Unholy. That's why it's so detestable to God. It was his holiness that made the price for sin's forgiveness so high to send his son who had no sin. It had to be a sacrifice that was pure to be good enough to get rid of the sin. Because of his holy nature. You know, we read scripture and we studied for years now that God can't even what? Look at it. Can't even, he can't even look at a, a, a sinner. Although he, if, he can't be in the presence of it. That's why when, one, when we talk about heaven, there'll be no sin in heaven. No impurities because God is, is pure. And there can't have, he can't have any impurities with him. Because then it what? It will 
contaminate him, if, in one way to look at it. You know, with all this said, our holiness should be based upon his holiness. <clears throat> that is, we are to set ourselves aside to him as we consider his majesty. When you go to the book of 1 Peter, in chapter 1 and verses 15 and 16, this is what the scripture says. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct because it is written, Be holy for I am holy. And we can cross reference there Leviticus chapter 11 in verse 44 and 45. Be holy, for I am holy. Considering the holiness of God, we need to live pure and clean lives so that we can be in His presence one day. When you go to the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 14, it shares the thought and the idea that we are told here that without holiness, we will not see the Lord. Did you hear that? You may have been sitting here thinking tonight and saying, well, holiness, you know, I can't reach holiness. No, you'll never reach the level of God. But we can reach the purity, can't we? Through the blood of Christ. Being baptized. Now we're going to make mistakes again. But he says, okay, I'll give you a way to fix that. You need to repent. You need to realize that you've lost. You know, when one needs to become a Christian to be baptized for the remission of their sins, the number one thing they have to realize is that they're a sinner. That they have sinned. They have either said things, done things, been a part of things, uh, whatever the case may be, that they're a sinner. But see, we exalt ourselves. We think, oh, everything's great. I got everything I need materialistically. I got everything I need, you know, with food and, and water and clothing and home and all. Everything's good. Those things don't matter. What matters is if you realize that you are a sinner, that you have sinned, and that sin needs to be removed, and the only way it can be removed is through the blood of Christ. We sang this morning, there's power in the blood, the blood of Christ. So we must live, be holy for I am holy. And we must revere the one who deserves reverence above everything else. You know, I've always associated dress to the reverence of God. And you have to be careful with that because sometimes people don't have the best of clothes or whatever. And of course, you, you know, God doesn't look that or the appearance of the outside of man looks in his heart. I understand that. But when we have the means, I want you to think about our children. 
Now I'm, I'm totally against school dances and those types of things, but they attend these certain events. Maybe they're going to get an award or a banquet or, I don't know, something important. I just see pictures on social media, okay, so I don't know. Sometimes I don't even know where they're going. How do we dress them? Sometimes we go spend hundreds of dollars on a dress or a suit, don't we? Hundreds of dollars to push them out into society to say, look at me. We want them to look their very best. If we're going to send them to the prom or we're going to send them to wherever, we want them to look their very best. For that kind of stuff. But then when we're in the presence of God, think about that. Don't we have it backwards? Would you agree? We have it backwards? Most certainly we do. Those things are important, events, you know, and, you know, weddings and things, I understand. But shouldn't we put some emphasis on when we're in the presence of God? See, we've lost that. We've lost the reverence to God. Giving Him our very best, even in our dress. I'm not saying you've got to put a tuxedo. The other day, uh, I enjoyed watching our black brethren. I've watched a lot of their services and stuff online. I enjoy that. I grew up with black friends and black worship. And I won't tell you, they come, they come in with the best on the best, shiny, shiny shoes, white gloves. But I mean, they looking good. You know why? Because they'll tell you, we are in the presence of God. Now, sometimes they catch a bad rap for things like that. But it's important to them because we're in the presence of the Holy One, the reverence. We're going to stop right there tonight. I've got more with this lesson, and we'll pick up next week. But we're going to look at being omnipresent, omnis, part of God, and His presence and all-knowing and all those types of things in the next continuation of this. And we're going to talk more a little bit about holiness, everything belonging to him is holy, and those thoughts as well. But tonight I want you to think about something. Have you truly referenced God, reverenced God through your words, through your actions, Things you do, places you go. Are you truly giving him the reverence he deserves? It's that simple. You know, we need to give God our best in everything that we do. We, we've lost that. Not totally, but we, we don't put really much emphasis on those things anymore. And to me, it's kind of sad that we, we've lost that of giving God the reverence because he is holy. He is pure. He's above all things and everything. Tonight you could give your life to him. You could give your soul to him to make it pure and clean once again. 
by responding and through confessing of sin and repentance, but you can make your soul clean through baptism. Through baptism, confessing his name, putting on in baptism, being added to the Lord's church, his body, to live faithful. To know that one day that we can go and be in his presence, but to do that, we here on this earth must be pure and be washed by the blood of Christ. Tonight, whatever your need is, please come. Get up and stand and as we sing. <clears throat>